This is Mayo Clinic Talks, a curated weekly podcast for physicians and healthcare providers. I'm your host, Daryl Chutka, a general internist at Mayo Clinic in Rochester, Minnesota. There's currently a debate regarding the use of race and ethnic categories in clinical decision-making. There are numerous studies which claim data from race is a factor and should be taken into account when designing practice guidelines and clinical algorithms. Some feel that any benefit is small compared to the potential harm that has occurred in the past regarding the abuse of race in medicine. Unfortunately, many questions remain unanswered. Is race a reliable proxy for genetic differences? Are there genetic differences which explain the basis behind race-based algorithms? And what are the potential dangers of using race-adjusted algorithms? We'll be discussing these topics with Dr. Ramla Kasozi, a family physician at the Mayo Clinic in Jacksonville, Florida. Ramla, thank you for joining us today. Thank you for having me here today, Daryl. Well, let's start by real basic. What is your definition of race? How can we describe that? Well, yeah, thank you for inviting me for this important conversation. You know, I just wanted to come to this sort of platform with humility as an early career physician. So during my training as a resident and now as a family medicine physician, my understanding of race to me is more of a social construct. We have seen that through our training and a lot of literature, they have used race as a biological proxy, but there's a lot of evidence to show that it's more of a social classification, which has been really interpreted in our society to categorize certain individuals to allow them access to certain resources. Well, is there any evidence from genetic research that suggests humans can be divided into biologically distinct subcategories purely on the basis of their race? The research that I have come across, I have not seen anything to really clearly delineate that. I think what we need to remember is that racial categories are not permanent. And how you can view this is that if we look at, for instance, something like the census, if we look from the 1940s, the census has really changed as to who's categorized white or black. In the past, white individuals had also their classifications. Italians were once not considered white, even Irish individuals were not considered white. But through the census, they somehow got incorporated as white. Likewise, with Black, there's some people who are multiracial, and just because they had one quarter or one eighth, which was known as the one drop rule, you were considered Black. And so biology and genetics is not really changing, but the social political context itself keeps changing. So that in itself shows how race is more of a social construct and not necessarily biology, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. And I have to admit, I haven't really given this much thought before, but you know, we've been told that certain races are more likely to develop these conditions, that these races are less likely to benefit from this type of therapy. Could you summarize how race is actually used in research? So a very interesting article, which was published in the New England Journal of Medicine called Hidden in Plain Sight, Reconsidering the Use of Race Correction in Clinical Algorithms. This was actually published in August 2020, and it had an excellent discussion of the various tools that are being used in graduate medical education training, which was wonderful. And it showed 
also how this impacts clinical medicine and how our management sort of plan affects our patient care. Well, what are we teaching our students? Um, what's being taught in medical schools regarding race? I feel right now, with respect to the discussion of race, a lot of some institutions, and I think it's just the culture of medicine, have pathologized the Black body. And as such, the education is leaned towards thinking, well, Black people are prone to this because of something biological. But I think there's been a slow movement to encourage medical education to really look at, well, why are we using race? Does it really matter? Should we not start considering about the social aspects of how the social impacts that are causing health disparities? So for instance, in this article, The Hidden in Plain Sight, where they were looking at different clinical algorithms, I'm sure many of you have heard of the movement to remove race from the estimated glomerular filtration rate or EGFR. For some reason, that calculator created a particular coefficient that was attached to the Black race. But on further investigation and interrogation of that equation, it was found that it really had implications with how Black people accessed the nephrologies or got even on the renal transplant list. And fortunately, many institutions nationwide have removed it because they have found that really it did not even help the patient to use a race, uh, race correction, but instead it caused further disparities. That's just like one example. But there are several calculators within medicine that have incorporated race, which a lot of individuals have found that by incorporating race, we're actually widening the health disparities and worsening the social determinants of health. What stereotypes might we develop based on the belief that certain populations have more disease than others? The stereotypes will include, like I mentioned earlier, this idea that Black bodies are always diseased or people of color always have some sort of disease factor because it's biological, which in itself is not true. There's a lot of components that deal with somebody's health, which include their access to health insurance, their access to a doctor, their access to a hospital, their access even to having an income so that they can buy food and eat well and hopefully not be predisposed to cardiovascular risk factors. And so that I think is something that individuals need to consider. Well, let's talk about how race is incorporated into practice guidelines and clinical algorithms. What are some examples where race is used in a clinical algorithm? There was one tool called the VBAC, which is vaginal birth after cesarean deliveries. And the study that informed that had a particular coefficient for Black individuals in that if you calculated it, most likely it always had that the person of color, be it Hispanic or Black, was at high risk and therefore it needed a, uh, a cesarean section instead of going through a vaginal delivery. The study that informed that calculator was not really clear about how race was even defined. There were actually other variables, for instance, such as marital status and insurance type, which also correlated to the success of a VBAC. But these variables were not included in the algorithm. So the same individuals who created that algorithm decided to go back and revisit that calculator, the VBAC, and found, you know what, actually race is not needed because it would subject 
black mothers, Hispanic mothers to more cesarean sections than white women. So fortunately, the VBAC has been revised and even the American College of Gynecology has acknowledged this. And they're doing great efforts to eliminate race within their various uh, clinical algorithms to improve more adequate care that's patient-centered and not race-based. So when we look at other algorithms, and I recall hearing several where uh, race has been identified as a subgroup that either has a greater likelihood of having a condition or responds differently to treatment, is the mechanism as to why race was singled out known? Are there genetic differences or is there an explanation? Well, based on my understanding and even the literature, you find that race is really one of those variables I think that's not been used very well. It's poorly understood. And I understand why it's poorly understood. Like I mentioned earlier, it's really a social construct that has changes due to the social political climate of the time. Unlike biology, which is like your genes just stay stagnant irrespective of what political and social time. And so even when you look at most studies, they don't define race, even when they categorize individuals as black, now, what is Black? How do you define that? There are individuals who are multiracial, who may identify as Black, as white, and Hispanic. So where would you categorize somebody who has three backgrounds to their name? And I think that's why there's been a lot of confusion as to how to treat it, because it's been improperly used as a biological variable. Now, I'm not saying that we should ignore race. I think it's important. It gives you an insight as to the history a certain group of people has been subjected to, which has most likely affected their access to healthcare. But what I'm trying to say is that it shouldn't be incorporated as something like a creatinine level. You know, it is not a number. You, you can't quantify it. It's a very qualitative variable that has many layers to it and many nuances, which yes, they are important, but shouldn't be inserted in an algorithm with numbers. Now, for years, uh, this goes back decades, I, I recall being told that black patients are less likely to be adequately controlled with ACE inhibitors. They don't respond as well to ACE inhibitors in the management of hypertension. That's certainly affected many clinicians' method of delivering care. Should we not accept that? Or what do we do with that information? Yeah, and that's excellent. And I really appreciate when clinicians struggle with that because you do want to offer the best care, but you also want to make sure that care is not only patient-centered, but also grounded in good medicine. If you look back at some of the studies that informed that decision, specifically there was the All-Hat trial and also the Joint National Commission 8, some of that information in the study was that they had actually the sample size was not really enough. I think it was about 300, if not less. And the other concern was that they did state black individuals, but it was hard to understand through the study if black was self-reported or research observed. They never explained that. They also didn't explain if those black individuals, were they Americans or were they immigrants who had naturalized as Americans? And so it was not clear as well. And so the concern is, I think at the end of the day, you look at the patient in front of you and you need to offer them the best care based on what they need. 
but using a medication based on how somebody looks, it could be rather problematic just because those studies did not really clearly explain how they identified Black patients and who was considered Black enough. So essentially what I'm trying to say is that we need to be cautious when we approach our patients. All right. Are there skills that you can maybe suggest on how we should engage in dialogue regarding race-based medicine? Yes, excellent question. I know the discussion about race can be sometimes a bit of an anxiety for many individuals, just because even the understanding of race is not clear. But I still encourage individuals to you know, have simple discussions about this. So one skill you can try to do, especially if you're on rounds and if you hear something, try to say something, have a teaching moment right there and see if you can engage in that discussion and ask with curiosity. I wouldn't want somebody to feel like they were being interrogated, but ask with curiosity to either a resident you're attending or whatnot. So that's an important thing to try to consider is to have that confidence to engage in the discussion. I think another skill that is very important is to really read research very critically and also interrogate it and to understand you know, how was race used? For me, whenever I look at a research, I say, okay, they've stated a race. How was it used? How is it defined? Why is it important? I think I would encourage listeners to look to this article. It's called Anti-Racist Clinical Skills, Critically Appraising the Use of Race in Medical Literature. This was written by Dr. Andrew Coyle et al. from Mount Sinai. It's a wonderful article that actually lays out a good plan to how to approach publications to just interrogate their internal validity. For instance, do the authors clearly define race? If so, how? You know, to talk about that, to also interrogate the external validity. And I think more importantly is also to question, is the use of race really applicable? Like, are there significant social, political, or economic drivers of health that may be obscuring the conclusions made in this particular article that discusses race? So, be curious, you know, inquire about such research work and what is being done. So I think those are two skills I would really encourage individuals to hopefully pick up. Well, Rama, you've given some very interesting uh, thoughts to uh, consider. Can you summarize our discussion, maybe give two or three key points uh, regarding the use of uh, race and clinical algorithms? Sure. So number one, we must acknowledge that race is a social and political construct. And with that, it is really based on the social and political issues of our time. It is not biological. And two, it's very important to review how race is erroneously embedded in clinical decision-making tools. And then three, I would really encourage listeners to engage in discussions about race and how it's used in your day-to-day activities on the wards or in clinic, but to also read research and be inquisitive enough or curious enough to interrogate that research. Well, we've been discussing the validity of using race as a factor in the development of practice guidelines and clinical algorithms with Dr. Ramla Kazosi, a family physician at the Mayo Clinic. Ramla, thank you so much for sharing your expertise with us today. 
Well, thank you for having me. I'm very humbled. Once again, I am not an expert. I am really sitting on the giants who have pushed and sustained this work. Specifically, there's the Institute for Healing and Justice in Medicine, which I encourage individuals to really join and read about their work on race-based clinical algorithms. Well, you can now listen to over 100 different medical topics developed for primary care providers on Mayo Clinic Talks podcasts. Find them at ce.mayo.edu or your favorite podcasting app. If you've enjoyed Mayo Clinic Talks podcasts, please follow us. Stay healthy and see you next week.